So, RJ, we are doing our countdown, 32 all the way to 1, according to Steve Fezzik, power rankings in the NFL. You know, Jonas, I spent an hour learning to pronounce myocarditis. We're not even <laughs> going to get to it today, but we got to go straight to the content. Good stuff. We got the Arizona Cardinals in at 22. Super Bowl odds 48 to 1. Over under win total 7.5. Fezzik and I discussed it. Let's listen. What is the truth behind Kyler Murray? Last year, brand new head coach, Kingsbury. Rookie comes in, and he's not very good to start the year. Struggled. In fact, during his first four games in September, Kyler Murray statistically, 25th best quarterback in the league, well below average. After that point, Kyler Murray became not just a capable NFL quarterback, he was the 12th best quarterback statistically the rest of the year starting week five. What we saw the last three quarters of the season, I feel, is the truth where he was the 12th best quarterback. That's Murray, his baseline, even if he doesn't improve, mighty good, but around him, a lot of improvement. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins comes in. What an upgrade. He is my number three rated wide receiver in the NFL. So Murray had some nice weapons, Kirk, Fitzgerald, but they're nothing special to bring in a Hopkins should really improve the offense. Now, on the other side, the O-line, I mean, especially when Rosen, who I'm not a big fan of Rosen, but Rosen two years ago was thrown from his back. Last year wasn't much better. Yeah, the O-line has actually been the most injured O-line in football, not just last year, but the year before. Now, now I hold on a second. So you're saying over two years? They were the most injured, or individually in 2018, they were the most injured. In 2019, again, they were the most injured. In both years, they were the most injured. The odds of that being the case, almost a 1,000 to 1, RJ, to have that many injuries. All right, so a lot of optimism for Murray, and that segues into Fezzik with a best bet prop bet. And all my optimism for the offense leads to my prop best bet. Back to Kyler Murray, over 3,850 pass yards. Last year, Murray threw for a little over 3,700 yards. I would have expected 3,850 would be about what he would get had he not added that new weapon. But with DeAndre Hopkins, this offense should be dynamite. Remember, Kingsbury loves going with four wide receiver sets, and he couldn't do that properly last year. This year, with three really good wide receivers, best bet Kyler Murray, over 3,850 pass yards. So a guy that I'm taller than, Jonas, over <laughs> the pass yardage. Now, last thing is Fez has got a forced pick on every team over or under the win total. It, it is seven and a half. Let's hear what it is. I'm thinking it's going to be too conservative. Oh, what I hear so far is you got a quarterback people are in love with. Number one pick, Pat agreed. Uh, many questions answered. Got up to a significant level last year. Take out the first four games, even higher. You look at like the quarterback tiers and all that stuff, highly regarded. You're saying weapons are being added. You're saying a historic amount of injuries on the O-line, which should not continue. And then lean. Why? Because the odds makers are pricing in a huge upgrade in Arizona. This is a team that only won five games last year. Their season win is seven and a half. That's a two and a half win upgrade only five teams in the nfl have had that much of an upgrade in their expected season win number so arizona is one of the five yes so you're saying if you say the five teams that are expected to improve the most prior or compared to last season arizona's on the list yes who else is on that list tampa bay chargers detroit and cincinnati okay so it's some of this is priced in 
What do you think of the defense real quick? Yeah, I do expect defensive improvement. Cornerback Patrick Peterson, he's a stud. He was out six games with a suspension last year, and Arizona did pick up numerous free agents' defensive additions. Yeah, I question those free agents, but let's make it official. Lean! Lean to Arizona over seven and a half season wins. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along swaggering boisterously the countdown continues from las vegas the 32 teams in the nfl 32 all the way down to one and now we find ourselves at team number 21 in the nfc north chicago bears and fez you got a best bet it's not a lean. So hit us with the best bet. Yeah, best bet under eight wins. Got to pay a little extra vig on this one. It's all about Chicago won eight games last year, and the season win number is eight. Why shouldn't it be the same? And here's why, RJ. That eight wins last year put an asterisk by those eight wins, and here's why. Week 17 against Minnesota. Minnesota rested all their starters at home. Mannion quarterbacked Minnesota. Minnesota basically gifted the game, if you will, to the Bears because it meant nothing to Minnesota, and the Bears just barely won it. I don't believe they would have won that game. Yeah, okay, so they should have maybe won set. Well, they had a chance to win the game, so maybe they picked up two-thirds of the win. That's the handicap? And the Bears got to play two games against the backup quarterbacks for Detroit, Driscoll and Blau. If Stafford had played... I would have expected Detroit would go 1-1, one one, but Detroit went 0-2 against the Bears. The Bears win both those games, both of them close. They could have gone either way. Bears just barely beat right, so back you're saying, scrubs. You're saying if the Bears are as good as they were last year, under eight's a good bet. Do you think they're as good? Do you think they're worse? What do you think about the, the truth of the Bears? I think they're just about the same. The big question, can the Bears be better at quarterback? Because Trubisky does not appear to be the answer. You bring in Foles, some optimism about that. But with it being a COVID year and everything, you have to question whether Foles is going to be an upgrade because limited Well, you got a question. Time. I mean, here's the thing. Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, made a good point here. He said, if they put Trubisky on the bench. If they bench him, he's done in Chicago. The first time they bench him. So they got to start Trubisky. And remember, we've actually got both sides of this bet in in a way that we're going to win no matter what. We took plus money both times, guys. This was beautiful. But at this point, I think Trubisky has to start almost. There's not enough, there's no preseason games. And if you start with him on the bench, that's it. Where do you go from there? You get one more shot with Trubisky. You know how it is? You're not a smoker. I'm not a smoker. But in college, I had a cigarette or two. You have a lighter. You try it three times, and it doesn't light. But lo and behold, before you throw it away, you try it one more time. Trubisky, we're going to try that lighter one more time if you're the Bears. Probably not going to light, but you're not paying anything more to try it one more time. So I think it's going to be Trubisky early. Do you consider that to be good or bad for your bet? I consider it to be good because there's the possibility. There's a higher ceiling for Foles. But bottom line, I went back Foles. If you go back seven years, well below average QBR. Make even it, with that monster year. Well, yeah. Make it official. Official. Chicago Bears under eight wins, minus 125. With a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. Team number 20 with those L.A. Chargers of Carson slash San Diego slash StubHub Center. Fezzik, what do you got on the Chargers? Yeah, the Chargers, number one factor, 
boy, this team looks good on paper. If you look at the stats last year, you know, the Chargers, they actually outgained their opponent per play by half a yard. Their offense got almost six yards per play. Their defense only gave up five and a half. This was an above average team, and you could fall in love with it if you look at the stats overall for the Chargers. You know what? RJ and I discussed this and why the Chargers always seem to underperform versus how they should have done in the win-loss record. We feel it's an organizational problem in L.A. Let's listen. How many years in a row would you say the wise guys have been saying the Chargers are better than their record? Six or seven. I think it is. So I'm not betting the Chargers any times this year either. And you know what? They go 13-3. and three, I'm still going to be skeptical. I mean, what's the likely thing it could be? Rivers was at the top of the list. Coaches changed. You know, how many players are really there from before? But maybe it's organizational. And here they were at it again last year. Two and nine in close games. How is that even possible? I don't know. Since it happens eight years in a row or whatever, or eight out or seven out of eight years, I'm thinking it's possible. Minus 17 in turnovers. Tied for last in the NFL. That's what Chargers do. Losers lose. You know, some of those close losses were epic close losses. Sometimes we see a team that really didn't have that good of a chance and they lose a game by six. And we say that was, you know, close to a coin flip game. But in Charger cases, the Chargers lose games they should have won. Look at that Tennessee game. Do you remember that, Jonas, where the Chargers got not one, not two, but three touchdowns? Called back in the yeah. final 30 seconds. Yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And if I'm not mistaken, was that Tannehill's first start? I, like, why does that sound, why does that sound I think right you're, to me? I, th- I think you're right. And I, just yeah. have, I'm, and I can't remember who fumbled the game then away on the one-yard line after the three negated I, it was Melvin touchdowns. Gordon. It was Melvin yeah. Gordon. And how about the, the Denver line. game yeah. where they get nailed for pass interference on a Hail Mary? Yeah. And then a game-winning field goal for Denver. And, of course, threw one away at Detroit. So just across the board, epic close losses. The stats look good for this team. You know what? RJ outlines why the stats don't necessarily tell the truth for some select teams. Let's listen. Could the same organization with up until this year the same quarterback just underperform year after year after year, just like Belichick overperforming. And it could it be random? Yeah, but aren't we far past the 50% mark that it's not random? We know that the math guys don't have everything figured out because how does Belichick do better than his stats almost every year? But the Chargers have underperformed over this span we're talking about, six, seven years. There's things we don't understand about the algorithms where stats lead to our predictions and some in some rare cases there's so much we don't understand the teams are just playing wrong pats have been wrong to their detriment Chargers have historically been wrong to their favor and that's i don't trust them yeah let's look at the against the spread records of these teams new england since 2001 when they won their first super bowl here with brady 60% against the spread. So here's a team that the wise guys have gotten consistently wrong. They look at their stats and say, New England is good. But the truth is, New England is great. And because of that, the point spreads have not been as high as they should have been when New England's the favorite. The Chargers, the opposite. The Chargers, they look good on paper oftentimes, statistically. Jonas, the last six years, if you blindly bet on the Chargers, 
you've cashed only 46% of your tickets. Yeah, and they're a super talented team, and they're a really talented roster, and they've been, I mean, snake bit by injuries the past several years, so much so that you start to wonder, all right, are they snake bit, or as you guys were pointing out, is this just part of an overall issue with the organization? Not to mention, and look, anybody who's ever gone through a, a, a lot of moves or a lot of turmoil, you know what it's like to really get settled and get a lot of things done. It's hard to get stuff done when you're in the middle of a move. How many times have the Chargers moved in the last five, six years? They thought they were done in that dump Qualcomm in San Diego. Uh, They were crying out at the 50-yard line, only to be brought back out for another year. Then they leave there. They go to a soccer stadium. They can't get any fans in there. They're outnumbered by Vikings fans and Eagles fans and Packers fans and basically any road team that went in there. They played there for a couple of years with zero home field advantage. And now they're going to be playing again in a big, giant stadium in which they're just the renter. They're not even... the owner of the stadium because it's it nobody's actually thinking oh that's the chargers new stadium they're looking at as first the rams then taylor swift and then probably the chargers fourth or fifth after a couple of other acts that i can't think of right now off the top of my head like they when have they actually had a place to call their own that they can be established and you can think oh it's just a stadium but i really do think psychologically there is something to not having anything of your own and expecting good results as an organization when you have no idea where you're going to call home one one year to the next. It's a great point. You know, one thing I might add, if there's one team that's going to benefit from no fans likely in the stands, it's going to be the Chargers because let's face it, there's no fans for them at home. And half the time you've got the Broncos taking over their stadium or whoever they're playing. And when they go on the road, they have a real road disadvantage because of the crowd noise. So the Chargers probably should be thrilled at the lack of fans likely in the stands. Having said all that and with the great stats, I'm going to lean Chargers over eight wins, but not with my money, Jonas. That is not the official bet on this team. Okay, so what is the uh, what is the best bet? And in fact, I'm feeling like it's going to be a problem. Bet. You seem like you're into props, and that sounds weird to say over the air to another man, but you seem like you are into props when it comes to the betting market here on this edition of Straight Out of Vegas. So what is your best bet on the Chargers? Austin Eckler going to go over 1,350 rush and receiving yards. And last year, Eckler got over 1,500 And I got to be honest, I think he's going to do better this year. And the reason Melvin Gordon has moved on to Denver. So Melvin Gordon had more rush yards than Eckler, more touches for Eckler this year. Austin Eckler, best bet over 1,350 rush and reception yards. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. Team number 19 is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Atlanta Falcons number 19 team and the key factor in the Falcons. What the heck happened halfway through the year last year? Falcons started one and seven and then they won six of their final eight games. R.J. Bell outlines what happened to the defense at the midpoint of the year. Let's listen. I don't believe you can handicap the Atlanta Falcons without the answer to this one question. And it's the only question until you get the answer to it that matters. They started one and seven. They finished six and two straight up. The change was in Quinn not calling the defense. What they did, I had never seen before. Multiple defensive play callers based on the situation, based on the down. One of them, an offensive coach. What are they going to do this year? And were they able to ascertain why it worked? 
Yeah, and so the numbers, 31 points given up during the first half of the year, 18 and a half during the second half of the year. Now, Jonas, the Atlanta Falcons, this was a team you lost a lot of money on last year, right? It's just, they're just such a tease, man. And, and, and I kept telling myself, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And it's like that one X who you swear off four or five times, and this time you really mean it, and you're done with it. And then, like two weeks later, you fire off a text when you shouldn't. And next thing you know, you guys are in the back of an Uber heading to a bar somewhere, uh, you know, and, and, and the rest is history. And you get back in the same cycle every single week. For whatever reason, I swore off the Atlanta Falcons and it felt like every single week I kept going back to the window to bet on the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't know if I was just enamored. And this look, and I'll be honest with you, today's show is perfect for the 2019 edition of Knox Locks because I actually had Chargers Falcons in the Super Bowl a year ago and a year later they're 19 they're 19 and 20 on your 32 to 1 countdown when it comes to the NFL that ought to tell you how bad I was at picking games in the NFL last year I had those two teams in the Super Bowl and they weren't even close to being Super Bowl contenders but for whatever reason Atlanta just seems so appealing. You look at them and you go, man, that's a talented team. Matt Ryan's always had weapons. He's never gone without having weapons. And they've got a, a, what you would think is a, a good structure there. And there's loyalty and there's consistency. And, and, and it feels like they're one of the well-run organizations. And for whatever reason, a year ago, they just looked awful. Matt Ryan looked old at times. He looked bad. And so I just kept finding myself in the same downward spiral of a cycle when it came to the Falcons. And then you gave up on them right when they turned it around. Of course. I think our, of course. I, I think RJ's on to something here that Raheem Morris, he got promoted to defensive coordinator. He was actually on the offensive side until the bye last year, and he was one of the guys that came in and started calling plays for the defense. And that was such an improvement. And you could see it with the attitude of the team, the team chemistry really came together last year. So I like what Atlanta's doing. You can you mentioned it on offense. There's nothing not to like at receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. But, Jonas, I can't go over on the Falcons. And the reason is strength of schedule. And if you ask about the wise guys, one of the biggest factors that the market oftentimes doesn't get right is looking at just how difficult a team's schedule it is. And Atlanta has the hardest schedule this year in the NFL. So obviously the division going to be much more difficult with Tampa Bay upgrades, but their field games, they got to play Seattle. They got to play Dallas. It's um, just a uh, very difficult situation for them. And because of that, I'm, uh, you know what? I got to do a lean one way or another. And because of the defensive improvement, and I do think that that's going to carry over. And I think the last eight games were more indicative of Atlanta than the first eight games. I'm going to just lean to Atlanta over seven and a half, but that's not my best bet. I want to ask you this, just thinking wise, when it comes to trying to predict a season for a team, we talk about strength of schedule. Well, we see in the NFL all the time, Time that the teams that were in playoff spots a year ago, oftentimes it's very rare that you'll see uh, at least multiple teams go back to the postseason the next year. You always see that a team takes a step back. So how do we know that? Because my thinking has always been this. I don't know whether or not a team is going to be good. So to judge strength of schedule based on a year ago, to me, doesn't really make sense. What I judge it on is what quarterbacks is that team going to be playing each week? That's what we know. The teams with the best quarterbacks are generally the best teams in the in the league every single year. So with that being said, what do you make of the NFC South? Brady, Breeze, 
Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade in Carolina for sure. That would feel like also another reason to maybe be a little bit skeptical on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and the quarterback's just a byproduct of a team's power rating. So you bring up a great point. If you play Tampa Bay twice, I don't care Tampa Bay only won seven games last year. That's not their strength of schedule. They're supposed to win nine and a half to ten games this year. So that's how I evaluate a strength of schedule going forward in 2020 based upon how many games are your opponents supposed to win, not what they won last year. And what is your best bet on the Atlanta Falcons, Fez? All right, we're going Gurley under 825 rush yards trend line here, Jonas. Todd Gurley was a really good running back, and he just fell off the cliff because of health problems. If you look at his yardage last year, 857. He should be able to get 825 with a new contract in Atlanta. However, the trend line, he got 1,300 in 2017, 1,250 in 2018, and really fell off last year. His yards per rush fell off. I don't know. I don't understand why Atlanta thinks Gurley's going to be healthy and be effective for them. I think he's going to be ineffective. I'm going under 825 rush yards, Todd Gurley. He blocks, directs, and executes the on-field fortunes of his team. The quarterback lives in a world of pressure. How well he lives with it and reacts to it determines how good he is. Team number 18. And for that, we go to the AFC West and the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Denver Broncos. Key factor with the Broncos quarterback play will it be improved if we take a look at how the broncos did last year they won seven games i think they should have won seven games and quarterback play not very good joe flacco struggled two and six then uh, brandon allen took over for three games the broncos only won one of them and finally drew Locke came in now the broncos did go four and one on those games but Locke's overall quarterback rating his qbr was just the same as flacco so at first glance maybe not much of an upgrade for drew Locke, but i think that the broncos are likely to see much better quarterback play how do you feel about drew Locke, jonas you like him uh, I'm intrigued by him. I don't know. It's still way, way, way too early to tell. But there were times where, man, he made plays last year. He's The arm has never been an issue. Um, I, I think if you're John Elway, you're hoping you can land at least one quarterback because outside of Peyton Manning, that's been a complete disaster. And it, it really is one of the more amazing things to think about when it comes to John Elway being an all-time legendary quarterback, his inability to evaluate properly the quarterback position has been puzzling. And, and it, you know, you can say of all the quarterbacks drafted in the last eight, nine years in the first round, there's really only been one that you would call, quote-unquote, a bust. And that would be Paxton Lynch, who Denver moved up to trade, uh, to draft um, back in, in 2016, uh, or 27, 2016. He was part of the Dak Prescott Scott draft because I know Jerry Jones wanted him as well too and so when you factor that into well it's John Elway and he's an all-time great player you would think he'd know how to evaluate the quarterback position and it just goes to show you just because you were great at it doesn't mean that you can teach it or evaluate it and really if not for that world-class defense which in my mind is underrated one of the most uh, one of the better defenses we've seen in a long time is John Elway still even calling the shots there because he got him that Super Bowl it wasn't because of Peyton Manning it was because of that defense and now 
all of, I think, his reputation relies on whether or not they can hit with Drew Locke because you can whiff on five, six quarterbacks, seven or eight, maybe even possibly. But if you hit on the ninth one and he turns out to be great, all is forgiven. I think this is a big-time spot for John Elway, and if Drew, Drew Locke performs well, John Elway is going to look like a smart man. Yeah, I'm having a mental uh, flashback to Osweiler throwing interceptions and Peyton Manning shaking his head, wondering <laughs> right. why he wasn't starting for the second half of the, this year. I will say this about Drew Locke. Oftentimes, we as handicappers, as betters, we look at the overall statistics. And I think it's good to really dig into the actual results because if you look at Drew Locke in his five games last year, he had one awful game against Kansas City. Terrible rating, uh, threw 40 passes, was ineffective. Denver only scored three points. But that game, there was significant snow and wind in the game. And I'm not saying it doesn't snow and it's not windy in Missouri, but there were extenuating circumstances. And Kansas City's defense was really coming on under Spagnuolo at the end of the year as well. And because of that, and there's only one bad data point last year, I'm actually rather optimistic about Locke and how he'll do this year. So with that being said, is there anything you like, season win total, prop bet, anything that you would lean on, something that you're not totally confident in, but if you had to make a pick, gun to your head, what do you like when it comes to Denver? Yeah, I don't have a best bet on Denver. I will lean over. I want to go over the seven and a half season wins. That's what the number is. The problem is the schedule. Very difficult schedule. In fact, fifth hardest in the NFL. And let's face it, that division is just stacked. There's no yeah. easy games to play, and you got to play the Chiefs twice. You also, their field games, their second place team, even though they only won seven games, they get the Steelers, they get the Titans. Just a lean to the Broncos to go over seven and a half wins. And then we've also talked a, a lot about, you know, the Denver Broncos and that early season home field advantage. And I think they're one, the one team to where when you look at Denver and you go, okay, well, that's, you know, that early season home field advantage. Well, maybe they're going to take a step back like a New Orleans or a Seattle because they don't have the fans there. Well, even if they don't have capacity crowds, Denver's home field advantage is different from New Orleans and Seattle. Theirs is all about altitude and whether or not you're going to get guys that are in shape, which is why their record has been so impressive, especially the first couple of weeks at home. So with that being said, maybe the opener against Tennessee in prime time uh, on a Monday night maybe looks like something that, that people could jump on if they really like Denver or they think it's an opportunity to strike early. Yeah, Denver's laying one and a half to two points as a home favorite against Tennessee. And this has frankly been a wise guy play that coming out of camp, first game of the year at home, the wise guys love backing Denver. And it's all about the altitude, not about the fans or anything else. Players not completely in football shape. Think about it. Now you got to go to 5,000 feet and you're sucking wind in the second half. So Denver's been a huge moneymaker, especially out of division in that week one game. However, Jonas, I'd argue it's priced in because Tennessee, pretty darn good team, a better team than Denver, and yet Denver is favored by two points in that game. I got to go ahead and pass that game. I, I, I don't buy Tennessee at all this year. I don't think Tennessee's making the playoffs. I think I think people got really wrapped up in the regular season, but let's be honest about the postseason. How much of that was because of Tannehill? Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass <laughs> against Baltimore. Like, and Derrick Henry, almost 400 carries if you count the playoffs last year. And historically, that has not been a good sign for a running back the next year. I got I got Tennessee going third or fourth in that division. I think it's Indianapolis. I think then it's Houston. And then I got Tennessee below both of those teams. Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? Go face them and fight them. Be savage again. The palms of your hands will thicken. The skin of your cheek will tan. 
You'll grow ragged and weary and wet, but you must do the best you can. We find ourselves at number 17, the L.A. Rams. Fez has a best bet on the... L.A. Rams under eight and a half wins. Okay, now I got to pull back the curtain a second. Matt Holtz here from U.S. Integrity, former bookmaker. He's booked billions of dollars legally over his time. And he said under Rams, and he started explaining why. And you rattled off two names. The names were... Corey Littleton, Dante Fowler. And Matt Holt starts laughing. Like, <laughs> ah, He's like hitting his stomach. And it's like, Fez goes, what, 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 what? And there was a big debate, right? And Fez says, and we were saying, and I can't lie, I was with Maddie. I'm like, that, that's no read. Those guys, no one's heard of those. You know, Fez put his head down, started working with some numbers. Abacuses date back thousands of years into at least the Greek culture. <laughs> and he comes up and he says, you know how much these guys are getting paid? Yeah, Corey Littleton, 12 mil per year from they Vegas. Resigned with or signed with the Raiders. Yes. And Dante Fowler, jackpot with Atlanta, 15 million a year. So what we're saying is Fez was right. And Matty Holt came in all big time in him, and this is Fez. He said, well. <laughs> Yo, homeboy. Welcome to the hood, brother. It's a little tougher here than your <laughs> office, right? <laughs> Two-time Super Contest champ. Give us the rest of the reason, though. Those losses probably aren't enough to like under with the Rams. Yeah, so and the key, too, is the linebackers left Howard and Young are way below average starters. So key reason there. But Goff, I don't expect Goff to be improving here this year. He had a down year last year, and I think it's all about not having the running game and the play action. I expect another down year from Goff. Okay, so Gurley, when he left, it was a problem. Don't have a replacement. Still O-line issues with the Rams. Goff's QBR last year was? His QBR last year was 23rd. All right, Matt, you actually are higher on Goff. I just think the, the actual offensive expectation for them, they were number 7 in the league last year in yards per game. They were number 11 in yards per play at 5.7 yards per play. The Rams. Uh, the Rams. And number 13 in the league in first downs per play. I mean, this was an offense that ran slightly better than average all year long. And all we talked about was how bad Goff struggled. So if him struggling was slightly better than average, then I think there's you know, optimism that this team's probably going to be better than average. Last year they won nine games, totals eight and a half. What's the Vic? Minus one twenty-five to the under. One twenty-five to the under right now, and your pick is under eight and a half. I'm pressing the green button, baby. First time of any of the teams. <laughs> I like the over here. I think I think that the Rams are susceptible to have some down years. But this next year might be their last chance because that Ram, if they're going to have to sign Ramsey, it's going to be a monster. They got him this year regardless. They got that golf contract. They still got dead money with Gurley. I just think financially this is the year. And I know with two new coordinators, they didn't, weren't even going to go to the draft. Or I'm sorry, they weren't going to go to the combine or they didn't go to the combine. They have been heads down in that building. And let's, you know, he might not be a boy genius, but McVeigh's a pretty good coach. They got to win nine games, and I win the bet nine and seven. They got to go 500 or worse for you to win. Roll them.
The battering ram of the Eagles was its defense, a unit that consisted of more spit than polish, more grit than glitter. The Colts, what's your pick on them? I like the Colts to go under nine wins. Under nine. What's the juice? Juice is minus 100. No juice. Right. Don't have to pay any, and it's all about quarterback play here. Last year, the Colts won seven games, RJ. Now they're lined at nine. What's going on? Well, the feeling is that Phillip Rivers is a huge upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Although I believe it is a slight upgrade, I think it's only a slight upgrade. If you look at the stats on both these quarterbacks last so year, we're going to look at the now. So this is the question, right? Is Rivers now a sign that he finally got old and this is the new normal, if not worse? Or was it an aberration? Was it a fluke last year? Because if you look at the year before, Phillip Rivers is a Pro Bowl or all or Pro Bowl quarterback. Top 10 quarterback, exactly. Rivers is going to turn 39, did some research, Football Outsiders. To, reports, figure, out, to figure out that he turned 39? Well, that sc- <laughs> scouts are reporting he definitely lost arm strength last year. That's what my oh eye my test God, showed. Your me. eye test. Well, it agreed with my now, eye when test. When you're thrown from your back foot, falling back, <laughs> sometimes you don't get the zip on the it's ball. It's a good point. He's got a big upgrade in his O line, but I got to tell Tell you the wide receiver. Well, I think that's a key. You could make the case the Colts have the best O line in football, correct? Yeah, yes. And if you said, paint me a picture of Phillip Rivers having a great year, it would involve a great O line. Yes. So, whatever chance he has to succeed, it's going to be maxed here. I'm not so sure because the uh, wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton's turning 31. He was injured 31 last year. 31 now for a wide receiver? That's old. <laughs> well, and he was injured last so year So you're just going to well. wow and act like it doesn't matter. Well, and it's just T.Y. Hilton. So they bring in Michael Pittman is, is a second-round draft pick. He's their number two wide receiver. Phillip Rivers does not exactly have great you know, wide receiver weapons. Jonas, here's what you know for sure. When, <laughs> when Fezzik is going to pro football focus and squinting and trying to figure out how good the fourth <laughs> receiver is, not a great handicap. One last thing. The Colts got unlucky last year. So you can't, whenever you say, oh, they lost these close games, blah, blah, blah. That's why I like the over. The Colts, how many games should they have won last year? They were five and six last year. However, they did lose two games when Hoyer was quarterbacking, and you could make the case they should have won both of them, to make your your points. Hoyer was awful. For? For the Colts. Okay. To me, if you look at Brissett, he might be the best backup quarterback in the the NFL right now, right? Yes, he and Andy Dalton. Yeah. So to me, I think the quarterback situation, they have a good chance to have a competent quarterback no matter what. You've got the under, though. The young knights and the old warriors carved a battlefield in the sky. The countdown continues. Team number 15 on our 32 to 1 top NFL teams in the league, the Buffalo Bills. Over-unders, nine wins. Fezzik has a lean, lean on the under. I disagree, and here's why. It's all about Josh Allen. And I only lean over. Lean, though. Lean. Josh Allen, the story goes, if you look at QBR, he didn't really improve that much in year two. Fezzik's point is he didn't improve that much. If you look at the next-gen stats, and I think for quarterback, those are great stats they put out. His accuracy improved drastically. And that was the big thing at Wyoming, his lack of accuracy. He's got the physical tools, but does he throw in an accurate way? If you look at the next-gen stats, he improved pretty significantly in that area. If somehow that continues, Josh Allen would be a top 12 quarterback soon enough. If it doesn't continue, he's going to be about the 20th best quarterback. If he regresses through his rookie year, he'll be worse than that. 
Nothing else that they do. The defense is really good. Last year was number two. It's going to be really good again. And they added digs. It should help. But it's a Josh Allen bet. If you bet over, you're betting on Josh to get better. If you bet under, you're betting on him to regress. I'm in the middle. I'm a little optimistic, but I'm not all that optimistic. So I lean over nine on the bills. Fez leans under. Doug Atkins was like a storm rolling over a Kansas farmhouse. He came from all directions, and all there was to do was to tie down what you could and hope he didn't take the roof. Team number 14, according to Steve Fezzik, and it's those Cleveland Browns. Now, we have many, many new listeners since last season, but longtime listeners know this sound. It means there's a crossfire. There's no doubt I'm betting against Fez on this one. Go ahead, Fez. Wow. Cleveland Browns under eight and a half. Best bet for me. Cleveland Browns, an organization with a history of losing. It's been terrible. Cleveland, 12 straight losing years. Oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. Jonas, did you get this? I got it. The Browns historically aren't great. Yes. Yet, for whatever reason, people love betting on the Browns. We saw people betting on the Browns seemingly on a weekly basis when they were winning 0-1 and one games. Look, at last year, the Browns' season win number was 9 coming into the year. Lots of hype, lots of weapons translated to only six wins. The Browns, for whatever reason, are seemingly overrated in the betting marketplace every year. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I mean... I'm officially, for the rest of the show, you're the Joe, Jonas is Sharp. (laughs) I mean, literally, your analysis was a couple years ago, the Sharps liked the Browns, and you think there's just a natural propensity towards them. There's something about the Browns and that crappy uniform and that goofy color they got, the the, the brownish color, that they're like, well, I'm attracted to that somehow. I'm just going to bet them mindlessly. Well, they got sexy weapons. They got Beckham. They got Landry. And they got Baker. Mayfield that's always making good commercials and for whatever reason the betters seem to gravitate to this team I'm going to turn his mic off for one minute say something can't hear him can you (laughs) Yeah. All right. settle in this is absurd what he's doing this is the year to bet the Browns you know why because last year everyone did Did, I was going to ask him if he did but his mic's off I'm going to turn off you had, did you have the Brown season win last year? I played it under. Oh, all right. <laughs> so what happens most of the time is, oh, look, everyone gets excited about the Browns, and then they lose. Next year, do you want to bet the Browns? Not with your money, I wouldn't bet the Browns. Jonas, I'm guessing you've had that experience, right? Uh, yeah, I've had that experience. I, 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 I'm the opposite this year with the Browns. Opposite of me or Fez? Of uh, uh, Fez. I think this well, is the year. Yeah, because you're the sharp right now. <laughs> and here's the rationale. The things that everyone liked about the Browns last year are even more so this year. As in, you've got all those weapons still, still young. Baker's a year more mature. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. I think he's going to be better than last year. When by his own admission, he wasn't as focused as he should have been. The big problem with a shorter quarterback the press in the middle of the line, center, guard, guard, improvement on the line. Baker gets some time. It will be more like his rookie year. He was pretty good. New coach, upgrade for sure. 
And I only got to go nine and seven. So the Browns don't have to make the playoff. I just got to be slightly better than 500 with a team that might have as much talent as any in the league. Or that's a little much, as much young talent as any in the league. And I only got to win nine. I'm over. I'll give you a closing 30 seconds. Oh, you, I, you I do just, think you bring up a great point. Will Baker Mayfield have happy feet in the pocket? Because with Conklin coming in with first-round draft pick Willis, if he stays in the pocket, that will absolutely— Well, when you're 5'9", you can't stay in the pocket when they're coming up the middle. They will, hopefully they won't be this year. Because he's rolled into pressure for two years now. Jonas, what's your main take on, on the Brown season? Uh, I'm unsure about Pittsburgh. I think Baltimore is the best team in the division, but I think Cleveland's the second best. I like their roster, and I think they're going to simplify things. I don't think Stefanski's going to go in there and try and give Baker too much, and I think he's going to play much better football because I think he knows he has to. Now, it would be a valid point to say betting on any COVID, in this COVID offseason, betting on any first-year coach might be a tough thing to do. So I'm concerned about that. I do think the simplicity of the system Helps. I'm over nine or eight and a half. Fez is under on the Browns. Beneath a giant birch tree, where Father Soren once sat smoking a peace pipe with the Indians, rest the bones of Newt Rockney. His spirit has yet to be buried. Two teams have gained a champion's fame. Two teams of men both skilled and game. Men who have battled as brothers through combat thick and thin, and now they confront each other for a prize only one can win. Fez, let's do your preview. So we've been counting down the NFL teams, and you have the New England Patriots. This is from 32 to 1. Where's the pass? Number 13. Okay, now we do a forced bet. Now, I thought, man, 13, the Pats, that's saying they're almost an average team. That didn't make any sense to me. You're saying this is pretty much where the market has them, so you think the line's about right. So what's the over-under win total for the season, 16 games? Over 9, plus money, plus $1.10. All right, so a little smidge to the over, but it's 9 wins. So if they go 9-7, and seven, the Pats, they meet expectations. They win 10 games, they exceed it. Eight or less, they fall short. What is your force pick? Over. Oh. Now, is this a bet? This is just a lean, small lean. So you think the line's about right? Yes. All right. So let's go through a little differently here. Cam Newton, it's my belief, and I've talked about it at length, the last time he was healthy, first half of 2018, so not last year but the year before, he was at an MVP level. He really was. As good as his MVP season, effectively. He got hurt after eight games, played some more, but was hobbled, stopped running the ball, all the things that make Cam Cam when he's at his best. Now, last year, played two games, was hurt. If you look at the last eight games of 18, you look at the two games in 19, you say Cam's no good. He got old. All that talking finally caused the problem. But if you say, hey, when you're injured, you're by definition limited and the last time he was healthy, he was great. Well, if he's healthy, he's going to be great. Where do you come down on that? Yeah, you know, and this was yours. I got to give you credit here, RJ. I'm on your side. That first eight games, not only was he as good as he was during his MVP year, he was actually better from just a pure QBR basis, 64 versus 61 and a half. So if Cam is able to play at that level, 
certainly we would expect he's going to be as good as Brady, who I have as my number so, 19 quarterback. So you're saying that Cam is likely to be better than Brady. The win total is only nine. Why don't you have it over? This seems like a no-brain. I think the win total of nine would have made sense with Stidham. How does it make sense here? You got five, a minute. All the key losses for New England on defense. Oh, Lord. Go ahead. So, you, I mean, these are important guys. Linebackers, Kyle Vannoy, Jamie Collins, Hightower Ops out. On the linebacker and on the defensive line, they had significant, significant losses. Now, the good news is New England's replacing them internally. So this isn't a matter of continuity. These guys have been playing for New England for the most part. The problem is it is a big step down in talent. Yeah, but that's the question is, by definition, there's replacement players. Repa- Replacement players mean this player is a typical NFL player. You get another typical NFL player, you're going to be fine. Other than Hightower, who's getting older, I'm not sure how many of these players are really that big. The ones that left are really that big of a drop-off. So we'll have a chance to talk this through. You lean towards the over nine. I like over nine even more. In Belichick, we trust 